Welcome to Truth Pudding, your weekly serving of unconventional advice for conscious entrepreneurs and ambitious weirdos looking to create a life of freedom, fun, and fulfillment. Join us, your hosts, Celine DaCosta and myself, Tessa Mack, as we dive deep into some seriously raw and real topics that are far too uncomfortable for most people to ever talk about. This show delivers radical honesty, all while having fun along the way. You'll see. Hello, and welcome back to Truth Pudding. We have a very, very special guest today, Ralph Ruiz. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're so excited for having you because today we're going to be talking about shadow work. And for those of you who are not sure what that is, you're going to be very clear about it in the next few minutes. We're going to be also talking about what are the ways that we self-sabotage ourselves and get in our own way. And Ralph is going to be the perfect person to talk to you about that. And before we dive into these topics, Ralph, do you mind first you introduce yourself and then I'll piggyback off of that because I have a bit of a story around how we met as well. Hello, everyone. My name is Ralph Ruiz, and um, I work as a holistic healer slash life coach. And uh, the life coaching that I do is specializing with people who suffer from chronic pain, uh, autoimmune conditions, most specifically ankylosing spondylitis. Um, but it's not limited to that. You know, anyone who struggles with some form of uh, chronic pain, I'm the person to see for holistic healing. And then after that, the work continues with life coaching. Because uh, believe it or not, what triggers chronic pain also presents itself in every other area of your life. So even after the healing, the physical healing has been done, a lot of times there is more work uh, that comes after it. Mm. And I've experienced that myself. I actually know Ralph because he is my OG life coach. And I met him, I believe it was in 2015 when I was on the verge of deciding whether I wanted to quit my job to travel the world. And I was still in New York City corporate. And I remember I was just struggling with all kinds of things. I had an eating disorder and had had an eating disorder for about 10 years at that point, I was struggling with my appearance. I actually went to Ralph originally for um, physical fitness coaching, um, really a lot of insecurities around my appearance, a lot of issues with food that were actually related to my stress and my anxiety and my lack of happiness with my life. And Ralph was one of the main people who were there, who was there to support me and to actually show me that all the things I thought were the problem, like, oh, it's about the food or it's about my body. I'm too fat. I don't look good enough were actually cover-ups for the real underlying issues that were happening in my emotional body and uh, and my insecurities and my fears, which, you know, um, insert shadow work, which we'll, we'll get into in, in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, really, what's really powerful about Ralph and the work that he does is that um, he really unpacks the connection that we have between your physical conditions, the physical pain, and what is actually going on in your mental and emotional body and how much we actually perpetuate our own suffering, not just mental and emotional, but also physical. And I know Tessa had her own experience with Ralph as well. Oh, yes. 
For sure. And I think the the main thing that I took from that that um, has stuck with me to this day was patterns are meant to be broken. I remember when you said that to me and I was like, what is this guy saying? And then I, of course, continue on in my super dark habits and bad behaviors. And they kept repeating (laughs) over and over again. And I was like, oh, is that the pattern? So I'm supposed to break this. And then what, you know, because Mm -hmm. then you break the pattern. But then you have to make a new pattern and then you have to maintain the new pattern, which is a whole other thing. And I think a huge part of shadow work that I'm super excited to dive in with you and talk about. Today. Yeah. So before we go there, Ralph, can you tell us a little bit about what's your story and what is the journey that you've taken to be in the place now where you're able to help people tap into what's really going on underneath the hood of their conscious mind? AKA their subconscious and helping them really be able to, to, you know, I know that you have your own story around this and I'd love to, if you could spend a few minutes just sharing with us what that is. Wow. That's a long story. I'll, Don't I'll give some, the long version, Ralph. I will. I will. I'll give you, I'll give you the short version. That'll give take the, the whole episode. <laughs> I've heard the story, but just for our listeners, it went, so that it totally makes sense when we start diving into the things we want to talk about around shadow work and the pesky little ways we fuck ourselves up so that they're like, ah, yes, Ralph knows what he's talking about. I think, I think one disclaimer I want to say is from my perspective as someone who's not as close to you as Celine, but observes you on the social medias and had the pleasure of coaching with you is like, you seem to be the chillest guy ever. You are so relaxed all the time. And I'm really curious, like, were you always that way? And yeah. how, did it, how did this? Oh, no. Let the man tell his yes. story. The floor is yours. Oh no, I was not always like that. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually had a really bad temper um, growing up, like really bad temper, uh, very rude, very hostile, very aggressive. And um Part of that balanced itself out um, during the time that I was going through my own healing journey. But to make a long story short, um, somewhere around the age of 12, I was in the playground playing tag. And there was a girl there, which come to think of it, she looks a lot like, like Tessa. Um, and she had a red hoodie on and we were playing tag and she was so much faster than me. I mean, like so much faster. And I was like, Unbelievable. I used to pride myself on how fast I used to run, but this girl was just so much faster and um, I couldn't keep up with her. The next day I was hospitalized uh, with back pain and I spent about a week in the hospital and the doctors were saying, well, you know, we think you have this juvenile arthritis thing and, you know, we're not sure yet, but anyways, all throughout high school, I struggled with back pain, swollen knees, neuromas, just constant injuries that will come and go, come and go. And around the age of 19, the doctor said, okay, we're pretty sure this is what you have. And they diagnosed me with ankylosing spondylitis, uh, which is an autoimmune disease that causes inflammation in the spine and major joints and sometimes uh, certain organs as well. So, wow, you know, bummer. But I didn't really feel anything. There was no distress. There was no... It's almost like I didn't care. And the doctor said, you know, we're going to put you on meds because if you don't take care of it by the age of 30, you'll be, you might be in a wheelchair and things can get pretty ugly. I said, yeah, sure. If by the age of 30, I get close to a wheelchair, I would just kill myself. And I was serious about it. 
you fast forward, went to yoga, tried to diet, you know, a lot like Celine, you know, diet becomes the enemy at some point when you're trying to hide from yourself. And there was something wrong with the food. There was something wrong with, with the world and doctors. And there were so many issues out there in every, in every corner that I looked for help. There was always something wrong out there. And that just became the story of my life. There was something wrong out there and something had to be done about it. So I tried some medication, had a bad side effect, ended up having a, what the doctor called a drug-induced psychosis, which is one of the worst experiences of my life, but at the same time, very liberating. I got to see things that I never got to see before. And I can tell you from that experience, everything that I saw in that state of quote-unquote psychosis was actually my own shadow. You know, the voices that I heard, the things that I was hearing within myself, feeling within myself, all of it was just myself. There was, there was no... There was nothing, there was nothing outside of me during that experience. It was all me, but I didn't know that at the time. And as I continued on, I met a person who I'm very thankful for has a special place in my heart, Edward Gauss, uh, a licensed acupuncturist with a background in psychology. He says, come to my office. Let's explore this. You know, let's see what's going on. And that's what I did. We went in, we explored a few things. And for some reason, things just kept coming up. Insecurities, fears, worries, lots and lots of PTSD, memories that I hadn't even remembered in God knows how long, and lots and lots of heavy tears, just lots of crying, lots of, lots of painful things came up. And the interesting thing about it is that the worse I felt, I felt emotionally, the better I felt physically. The back pain went away, the stiffness went away, the, the excuse me, the inflammation went away, the limping went away, the night terrors, the uh, anxiety, the OCD-ish like behaviors, definitely the, the, the ungroundedness also went away. But what I mean by that is spending a lot of time daydreaming was one of my symptoms. And I just became more grounded more grounded, more at ease with myself after all the crying, um, more at peace with life in general. And all of a sudden, everything that was wrong out there just, just stopped, you know? And then we backtrack all the way to the beginning and that day in that playground where I just couldn't keep up with that girl. That's where it all began. Now, the question is why, you know, because it triggered one of my, <laughs> one of my insecurities, you know, to realize that there was someone faster than me. And throughout my journey, I became more aware that it wasn't just with physical speed. We're talking about the shadow and things within us that get triggered. I used to get triggered by people that were smarter than me people that, that were more competent than me, people that were faster, taller, people that were more athletic, people that were more capable in so many ways. And that's what started the entire physical distress and emotional uh, journey. Just having a glimpse of what was behind my, my ego, you know, was behind that facade. And then here we are today and that's the end of that story. Jules book. Well, before we, we, you know, there's so many layers to unpack there, but could you, cause I know when you first told, told me about shadow work, I was mm -hmm. like 
Ralph, what the fuck are you talking about? Just absolutely. I mean, there's some things you said to me five years ago that I, I'm are just sinking in now. So for people who you know are listening and they're like, what is shadow work? How could you, you know, break it down to me like I'm in middle school or like shadow work for dummies? What is it and why is it important? Hmm. Well, it depends what you want to do with it. Because shadow work has, in my personal opinion, it has the power to heal uh, chronic definitely chronic pain. In terms of other chronic uh, health conditions, we can debate whether or not it's true. But for me personally, chronic health issues can, the, the, the secret to healing chronic pain and chronic health issues lies in what we call shadow work. And shadow work is, first of all, what is the shadow? The shadow is the part of our psyche, a part of our psychology that we ourselves are too afraid to look at. It's the part of us that we hide from the world. And many times we also hide from ourselves. Now, when we talk about shadow work, what we're, what we're looking to do is uncover what some of those things are and how we can integrate them into our lives if necessary, because obviously there's no, if it's not necessary to go there, we don't have to go there. And what I mean by that is if you're struggling with some form of chronic health issue or chronic, emotional, psychological thing, it's very helpful to look at some of those things. You know, what, what is it that keeps you running around in circles, trying to escape yourself? And that will be an example of when it would be necessary. Other times it's, it's not necessary. You know, if you want to build a habit, a lot of times you can get by just by building the habit. And there are some things, some habits, some patterns that, that come as a result of what is in that part of us. Mm -hmm. And when you say patterns, what do you mean by that? Well, we know what you mean by that, but <laughs> tell the people what you mean. Tell by the patterns. people's <laughs> pattern is a, we all have the tendency to repeat the same thing over and over. And we all have the tendency to uh, look at a look at the world in a certain way and assume that that's how the world actually is. You know, we just look out there and assume that our judgments, our conclusions, our anticipations, our understanding of the past, present and future is accurate. And the truth is, is it's not. It's inaccurate. We all have a distorted view of reality. And, you know, it, it is what it is. Now, when it comes to patterns, if we wake up every single day and we do action A, action B, action C, and those three actions lead to a specific result. We may get to the point where we suffer. Some people enjoy it, but we may get to the point where we suffer and we struggle with that end result, not realizing that it's because we take action A, B, and C every single day. We don't even realize that there's a connection between those three actions and the results or the outcome that we get every single day in our lives. So that's what I mean by patterns. It's basically our entire way of living our entire lifestyle depends heavily on those patterns you know how we behave how we judge the world how we judge ourselves how we speak to ourselves how we think about ourselves how we think about others how we talk to others these are all patterns and um they do yield some results and do you enjoy the results or not then that's that's completely up to you but that's what i mean by that 
That's super interesting. And something that I think Selena and I have been exploring recently is that when we indulge in these patterns that maybe cause some suffering, that there actually might be a part of us subconsciously that wants it or that gets off on it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. we get off on, uh, we've been talking about this a lot lately because I mean, like I said, my journey with shadow work started when you and I met in, in 2015. And I remember just, I mean, it's funny because in the moment I just couldn't, I didn't understand what you were saying, but it was obviously getting through because I remember like when we were talking about, for example, my eating disorder and you kept telling me it's, it's not the food. It's like the anxiety. It's how the, it's what the food is making you feel. It's what emotion that you're looking to compensate in the food. And I remember you were talking to me about like repressed rage and how I wasn't connected to my anger, which took me years to actually understand that I, that was exactly what was happening. And it was creating so much physical discomfort. I remember, you know, there was a time where I had like chronic upper my back, like the, I don't know if you remember, like my shoulders, Mm -hmm. there was like all this tension that I was holding because I was holding on to like this really deep, dark secret. And I remember just spilling the beans and just feeling the pain lifting off of my back in real time as I was allowing myself to have this like repressed, this, this emotional reaction that I never allowed myself to have when I was younger. And, you know, that was part of my introduction, but even recently what I've been, the more evolved, I guess, my understanding of shadow work becomes, it's, it comes first from understanding like, wow, there's all these parts of myself that I just Mm -hmm. hide and push deep, 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 deep inside. And the more I push this down and don't allow myself to feel the parts of myself that I don't like, the more basically it's going to manifest as ailments or misfortunes or, you know, accidents, physical, you know, issues in my, in my physical life. And one of the, you know, the, another layer that I'd to, 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 you know, get your input on is that what me and Tess have been realizing is that sometimes we, parts of us get off on the misery we create for ourselves. You know, like playing the victim. We find it arousing in some way. In some ways, like it's like it's you. You know, we we just it's so easy to be like, oh my god, why are you know I'm engaging in all these patterns, and all these shitty things are happening in my life, and why is this person doing this to me, and why do I keep attracting this kind of guy or woman in my life, and why does my job keep treating my boss keep treating me this way? But there's a part of this that we're actually like enjoying. So I'd love for you to, to unpack that a little bit and break, like what is happening that is causing us to create like the same unfavorable situations in our life over and over again. And why the fuck would we enjoy it? (laughs) That's a good question. Here's how I can put it. One of my favorite works when it comes to observing the shadow and, you know, because we human beings, we have ways of, of speaking and, and putting things into perspective in order to maybe teach it to others or further explore it ourselves. And one of my favorite works that I so I love so much is the works of Batman. Yeah, I know it's, I was not expecting that. That, that really <laughs> threw me oh off. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, it's DJ. so good. Like, Machiavelli. <laughs> no, no, none of those guys. It's uh, uh, amazing. You know, Batman is such a good thing to understand the shadow. And here's why. In the Batman series, Batman is a cartoon for those of you that don't know. The villains, the villains are actually symptoms of PTSD. For example, we have Two-Face who split in half, and that's one of the symptoms known as splitting, where the person sees the world in black and white. You're either good enough or you're not good at all. 
You're either a winner or you're a loser. You're either grandiose and fantastic, or you're just a complete deadbeat. Then we have Mr. Freeze, which is depression. We have poison ivy, which is temptations and substance abuse. Then we have the Joker, which is chaos and the unpredictability of life. And then we have the Batman. And the Batman is the hero. Believe it or not, one of the symptoms of PTSD is trying to become a hero. And when we look at Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is the person who is experiencing all these symptoms. And his parents were both shot and killed in an alley coming out of a movie theater from watching a movie that he really enjoyed when he was a little kid. And they seen it so many times and he insisted, let's go see this movie. And on their way back to the car, his parents were shot and killed. So the Batman represents this individual who is always in control, is extremely confident, is very successful. All the women want him. And he's, he's always got this strong demeanor. And yet the Joker is his shadow self. It's not a separate individual. It is his own shadow self. You know, the, the, the Joker is the part of him that that wants to get back at the world, that wants payback, that sees the world in a chaotic, messed up, unpredictable way, but yet it laughs in, its, in, in his own madness. Everything's funny to him, you know? <laughs> oh, no one would ever love me, you know? And when you look at that, it gives you some really nice, something really nice to put into perspective into what this shadow work is all about. We can be the Batman all we want, but deep down inside, we all have a joker. You know, we all have that chaotic, messed up part of us that actually enjoys the misery, enjoys the torment, enjoys the chaos, laughs at it, giggles. It's so fantastic to see the world burning to the ground, you know? <laughs> and, and that's the scary part. So now the question is, why do we, you know, what is it that we enjoy? Heath Ledger, may he rest in peace. In the uh, Batman movie, The Dark Knight, uh, there was a scene where Batman is interrogating him. And Batman says to him, why do you want to kill me? And the Joker says, he starts laughing. He says, I don't want to kill you. You complete me. You know, so the thing about the shadow is that our shadow is what gives us purpose. It's what gives us a, a reason to live. It, it gives the Batman a reason to exist. If we didn't have a Joker, we would have no Batman. You know, so that's what gives us our motivation to wake up in the morning. When we see all this chaos out there, you know, caused by the Joker, which is just the shadow self of the Batman, the Batman has a reason to to follow the bat signal. The Batman has a reason to put his suit on. The Batman has a reason to get in his Batmobile. The reason the, the Batman has a reason to, to go out and fight crime and fight the darkness, the darkness that takes over Gotham City, which is really just his own darkness. So yes, there's a part of us that enjoys our own shadow and the shadows of others, because it does give us that sense of purpose. It also gives us a sense of goodness. There's nothing more amazing than coming out of church on Sunday and feeling like a good person, you know, and then you and then you see someone walk right in front of the church in a really, really small miniskirt. And it gives you the permission to point the finger and go, look at that. That's wickedness. We're so good. You know, we're so fantastic. 
That's, oh my you know, goodness. Wow, my mind is the, Yeah, I know, me too. Because, I mean, I have a couple of... Wow, first of all, I'm never going to look at Batman the same way. Second of all... M- well, you know, the, the connection I was making is, yeah, yeah, this our shadow side, the parts of us that are dark and, and we don't want like the Joker, as you were saying, it gives us a reason to go out there and be passionate and get out of yes. bed in the morning. And be like, I'm going to fight for justice. I'm going to fight for good. I'm going to fight for my higher purpose, like my higher self. Now, my curiosity, and this is a two part question, is what happens if there is is it possible for us to not get to the point we don't have shadows. I'm guessing we would enlighten or something like that. I don't know. And and then the the second part of that is, well, what does it actually mean when people say, well, you need to integrate your shadow. So what does, what does that mean? The first part, which was, can we have no shadow? And the answer is no, we cannot not have a shadow. It's sort of like the space in your hands, you know? So if you hold your hand out, there's, there's space there. And that space is what defines your fingers. You know, if we didn't have that space, we will have no fingers. So we need to have that shadow self. For some of us, it is denser than others. So for people who tend to be goodest, and they're all about, you know, we got to make peace. Everything's peaceful, 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 and spiritual and, and holy. Those people have the tendency to have a denser shadow than others, uh, simply because they've created a a psychological pattern that is all about pushing away everything that they consider to be wicked. And then you have other people that are a little more aware that they're a little sadistic, that they're a little, they get a a kick out of seeing other people struggle, that they get this, they get that. They feel good when they were in that track race and someone fell and broke their leg and now they have the chance to win the medal. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, like, Another one bites the dust, you know? So no, we don't, we don't have the power to have no shadow. We, we can even look at certain spiritual teachers from the past and they had shadows too, you know? The second part, which was, can you remind me what was the second part of the question? Well, oh, how like, do we integrate? Yeah, integrate. Yeah. yeah. And what, does that, what does that mean? And how does that actually help us make life better? So yeah, it sounds like the shadow, it's like we're splitting ourselves into different fragments and really mm-hmm. separating our identities and so yes to hear about that's that's correct our human uh, psyche is made up of multiple parts and yet they're all one ironically it's all one and multiple parts at the same time but how do we integrate this let's say that during shadow work you s- somehow discover that there's a part of you that is sadistic and it likes to see people in pain you can explore how you can put that into, integrate that into your life. And turns out that just like there are some people that, that like to see others in pain, there are others that like to be in pain. So the shadow of the person who likes to be in pain, you know, trying to hold it in and repress it, they, they may come out, out to the world as if, you know, oh, I don't like to be in pain, denying it and showing uh, a, a facade, a mask, like the Batman that shows someone who doesn't like to be in pain. And then the other person whose shadow is to have other people in pain. Wow. Well, turns out that there will be a perfect match, you know, maybe in a business environment where one person is the boss and constantly hovering over the other and telling them what to do with yelling and screaming. Whereas the other one may be the person who receives that heat, you know, and is constantly experiencing that, that form of pain. It could also happen in relationships. 
you know, people who like to be in pain gravitate a little bit more towards toxic, painful relationships. And then we on the outside may see it, point the finger and go, like, yeah, that's such a toxic relationship, but yet it's paradise for both of them. And there's nothing to fix. It's, it's, it's what feeds them. Would you say that with all of this in mind, that basically is Batman sort of the representation of the ego or like, what is the ego's relationship with the shadow? The Batman is the mask. Okay, got it. Uh, he is the, he represents the hero. He represents the part of us that wants to come out and hide the victim. You know, so behind the mask is Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is the victim, you know, and, and it helps the, the Batman helps him hide his vulnerability. It helps him hide things from the world that he doesn't want the world to see. You know, so that's what the Batman represents in terms of the ego from a Freudian psychology. The ego is the part of us that deals with reality. So we have the id or originally it was the it, but we have the id which is the part of us that deals with pleasure and survival. It just wants to please, it wants pleasure, it wants to survive, and it wants to reproduce, you know, and whatever it wants, it wants it now. And then we have the superego, which is the part of us that deals with morality and, and higher ways of our higher self is what we call it in, in Eastern uh, spirituality. And then the ego is what deals with reality. It's the one that deals with what's in front of you at this present moment. From a more simple perspective, the ego is just our personality. So the ego is a part of all of our components put together that comes out and we call it personality. Is it fixed? Not really. You know, the ego has a tendency to shift given its current circumstances. So, you know, we look, we can look at Meyer Briggs and say, well, these are personality tests, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is that our personality shifts based on what's directly in front of us at any given moment, you know, in time, you know, the person, the part of us that our personality that competes in a track race, for example, is very different than the part of us that competes in a, in, a, in some business environment. You know, we may be, we may just be as competitive, but the environment is different it's, and all depends on how we feel as well. So that'll be the ego. The ego will be personality. Uh, shadow, a lot of times is the part of ourselves that we dump things into when the super ego denies it. So the super ego says, hey, you know, that's, you know, the super ego says, hey, that's not good for you to have. So then it just dumps that into the shadow. And it also depends on where you are, you know. So if you're surrounded by super spiritual people and they all believe that you should be vegan and yet you're a meat lover and you love steak, then it's only a matter of time before in combination with the super ego and your ego, you end up pushing that part of you into the shadow. And then. Eventually, you find yourself being very angry. I mean, like super enraged and frustrated with all of these meat eaters, simply because there's a part of you that wants that juicy steak. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The shadow work is when you say, yeah, I do want the steak. And yes, it's really hard to be vegan. You know, And then you look at other people eating the steak and it won't trigger you as much. You know, or it may not even trigger you at, at all. You may just go, wow, look at those lucky son of a guns. Why do I even do this to myself? And then once in a while, you might sneak in a little bite, you know, but that's a little closer to being complete 
So when, when we're looking at integration, then what does that, what does it look like to integrate your shadows so that you know, it's there, but it's not running your life. And basically in some cases, making things much harder than they need to be. How do we integrate the shadow? That's a good question. If there's a part of you that acknowledges that you're competitive, just embrace that, you know, just embrace your competitiveness. You know, I'm a competitive person. This is how I do things. And if I'm in an environment where it's me versus someone else, I can't help myself. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, y'all bring it on. You know, that's just how my brain works, you know, and to embrace that is to be a little closer to being whole, to being complete. There are many people out there that want more out of life. They want to experience more. They want to have this, that, and the third, et cetera. And they won't do it simply because of what their higher self or, or their super ego is telling them. And they end up living a life half empty, you know, just experiencing life in a way that it's not really who they are. Mm. So essentially the, the things that as you're growing up, your so-called identity because of your family, your environment, just the, con- the conditionings that you have experienced, you grow up feeling like certain things are right and certain things are wrong. But of course, we have these underlying desires, like you were saying, if you're growing up in a spiritual community where everybody's telling you that you have to be vegan, like you have to be vegan, but you secretly want meat in order for you to be accepted in this community. And and this also, the same goes with like your parents in order for mm-hmm. you to be accepted at home in your family environment, you almost like develop this version of you, this alter ego of like, this is who I need to become in order for me to receive love, in order for me to be accepted, in order for me to, you know, be part of whatever it is that I want to be part of. And then on the other end, we end up being like, oh, well, I can't eat me. Oh, but I can't, I have to be a good girl. Oh, but I can't like talk this way. I can't, I can't show anger because I'll get punished. And then you push, push, push. And it gets to the point where it's so buried down that we almost disconnect from these, from our anger as, you know, something like I was numb to my anger. I was numb to uh, my lack of self-worth. And then essentially it ends up manifesting in other ways, like being very, very angry at people who eat meat or just basically getting triggered by these things, by these, by people that are doing something. But really when we're getting really triggered at someone, my understanding is that when we're getting really agitated about what something's doing, someone is doing, but something that is happening and we get like that, that big trigger, that anger, that agitation, it's really because it's reflecting back to us, something that is in shadow within ourselves. So can you share, you taught me that as well. So can you share a bit more about what that means? What, what, what does what mean? So Uh, the anger. So yeah, like, what does it mean to be triggered? And like, if you're seeing things that, how is it? Cause some, a lot of people get confused. They're like, well, what do you mean? If I'm really pissed that this person's being, you know, like I'll, I'll give an extreme example. If somebody's being like abusive or, or murder or some, and you're getting super triggered. Like, where's the line? Is mm-hmm. it still something inside of you that's getting triggered? Like, where's the line of this is something that I possess that is in shadow versus this is actually just wrong? Oh yeah. That's a good question. And that can be a really long discussion because the Joker would say that there is no line. 
because ultimately the real problem with the world, or should I say the real problem with society is society. You know, we are animals, you know, and in a sense, society helps us live more comfortably by, you know, having a whole bunch of human beings following a certain set of rules. But deep down inside, we're all animals. And if it wasn't for society, we wouldn't live the way we live. Because there are other humans out there that are bigger than us, stronger than us, and can definitely just take everything we've earned, everything we've built, because of those rules that we follow, that we call society. But yet, there is that animal part of us. So the problem is society, the structure itself, the rules that we follow. There's a part of us called the id, and it wants what it wants, and it wants it now. And yet society is what stops that part of us from, from coming out. You know, society is what says, you know, look, you can't just walk into someone's house and put their PlayStation 5 just because you wanted one. You know, there are consequences to pay. You know, so there is no line. When we're looking at, at shadow work, everything on the table, there is no line. There is no such thing as right or wrong. Everything just is what it is. Of course, the Batman would disagree. The Batman would say, no, you know, we have to follow these laws. We have to follow these rules, et cetera, et cetera, and lock you up in a cage. And it's only a matter of time before the shadow, just like the Joker, escapes. It manifests itself in the form of another mass shooting, manifests itself in, in, in the form of another terrorist attack or in the form of some other really tragic thing that we as a society look at and say, well, that's wrong. But the truth of the matter is that it is what it is. You know, it's just mm -hmm. that. And some people mm -hmm. may feel uncomfortable hearing that, but that's the line. The line is there is no line. It's, we made it up. We made up the line. And then we expect everyone else to follow it. And then we get angry and upset because other people don't follow the same, the same line. Mm -hmm. And yet there is no line. Yeah. You know, what's crazy as you're saying this, because I know you're talking about society, but in the microcosm, this happens in our individual life as well. Yes. Yeah. What you're saying is manifesting of like, this is what, you know, Celine, the ego has, says is right or wrong based on the family I grew up in, the culture I grew up in, my surroundings. Here's like the the, you know, the, the shaped molded definition of what is right and wrong and everything that does not fit under the rules that I've created myself based on that's external right. circumstances is not okay. And that's, that's right. like, for example, for me growing up, it's, it's not okay to be angry. It's mm -hmm. not okay to be sad. It's not okay for me to express big emotions. I have to just be a good girl. I have to, you know, follow certain rules. I have to please my mom. I have to get into a good school and all these rules and everything that was under Underneath that just didn't have a place to live. So it just got stuffed down. And mm -hmm. that caused there were consequences to that. For me, it was anxiety, it was depression, it was eating disorders, it was all these ailments that I was having because of the ways that I was denying parts of myself. And then we sit around, and like you said, it's only a matter of time before that 
comes out of a cage where there's like an outburst with, you know, a really, really angry outburst with my boyfriend. And then it's embarrassing and then it's humiliating and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Or depression is another way it sneaks out. Or, you know, the, the things that we create in our life, like the crises, the drama, the, the big, just like issues that we actually manifest in our life as a result of everything that we're stuffing inside, like the the moment where we have outbursts. And I know you can speak to that as well, Tess. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've definitely been having those recently. And it's sort of sounding, it's sounding kind of like what we put in the shadow, or at least from my, my personal experience where I basically like to little moments is I would create all these, or I'd always look for these dramas every few months or so, whether it was like with a guy or my family or whoever, and I would basically get sucked into it. And then it would stop me from moving forward in my life. But I would have all these amazing things to blame. Like, oh, this is such a big drama. Like, of course I can't move on. Like, and part of me really wanted that. And so coming to terms with that and just hearing all of this is really making me sort of think like, it's like shadow work is basically taking personal responsibility for those things. And like when you're talking about society and the structure making these rules, it's basically like when we're delegating the personal responsibility, that's kind of when things go into shadow. And mm-hmm. the way to integrate that is to sort of accept those things and take the responsibility. Starting with each individual. Mm. And what that's, is some- that's yeah, just a dream. Yeah. That's just a dream. It'll never happen. <laughs> That's just, that's just our Batman saying, you know, if only everyone took responsibility. Nope. If everyone took responsibility, that part of us that says if only people took responsibility will die. You know, so we need people to not take responsibility in order for us to be able to say that, you know. Whoa. So, wow. We need, the en- <laughs> we need the enemy. Basically. We need him. Yeah, we need the enemy. We need Joker to escape. So that what? So that Batman can come out of his Batmobile and catch him again. <laughs> so is this just a game? Like, yes. is it just like that until we die? It's it's always been that way. You know, it's so the re- cartoon. Like, there are some people that ask, you know, if God is so powerful, why can't God just kill the devil? Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> you know, because even in that story, it's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing. Imagine if the devil didn't exist. And, and there was no evil. There was no wickedness in the world. And yes, I'm saying that from a metaphorical perspective, because I personally don't believe in the devil. But imagine there was no devil. What's the point of going to church now? <laughs> yeah, it, it would take the fun out of life almost. <laughs> it would take the purpose out of it. Like, what's the point of going to church, confessing your sins and praying if the devil did not exist? Oh, my God. Wow. You, you have no reason to go to church anymore. So just the fact that. In, in, that, in that perception of reality, it gives, the devil gives you a reason. It gives you purpose, you know, to live or, or to go to church. And, you, and it's nice to be thankful for that. You know, thank you, devil, for giving me a reason to come to church today. Because without you, I would not be tempted to eat those cannolis that I ate two days ago. And here I am confessing that I ate too many cannolis. And, and I, need to, I need forgiveness for my cannoli-eating e- sins, you know? <laughs> Imagine no sins. You, church wouldn't exist. Wow. At, at all. In life. Truly. 
Wow. So it's, it's really interesting because, so for those of people who are maybe listening and having a bit of an existential crisis, as I feel like could be, it, it could sure be, a, yeah, I know it could be a risk here. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, yes. knowing that this, knowing that the shadow is always going to be there, it's always going to try to escape out of the cage. Like what is the, what is the silver lining here? What's the light of the end of the tunnel? If this is just like a, a loop that doesn't end, like how does life get better? Life is already better. You know, life is already better. The light at the, at the, at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel, is not you successfully changing something. Yeah, that's the misconception a lot of people have. They think that, okay, if I do shadow work or if I do this meditation or if I do the spiritual practice, something is going to change. All right, let's say, for example, people with chronic pain or some autoimmune thing, which is usually what I work with. A lot of them start their journey believing that something has to change in order for their back pain to go away. And as you explore deeper, you ask, well, what is it? What is it that needs to change? Well, my, my mom and my dad should have loved me more. That person in, in, the, in the sports team that I was in when I was a kid shouldn't have touched me. You know, my stepmother should have been nicer to me. You know, the politicians should approve that bill. And there's so many things and you can list them, you know, all the things that the person believes needs to change. But then when you go into the shadow, you realize, wait a minute, this game will never end. There will always be corrupt politicians. There will always be irresponsible parents. There will always be that feeling that we are unloved. You know, there will always be that fear, that insecurity that we are going to die someday. And we're not really sure what happens next. You know, there's always going to be that experience lingering around, there's always going to be a joker, always going to be a two-faced, always going to be a Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, and a Batman. There's always going to be all of that. So then what is the point of trying to change things? Even the part of us that wants things to change, you know, it's okay to say, yeah, there's a part of me that wants the world to change because somewhere deep down inside of me, my neurosis tells me that I know better. You know, my neurotic way of looking at the world tells me that I'm better because I just came out of this building and I just saw someone in a really tiny miniskirt and that's just straight up wicked. You know, I'm a good person. There's something in my neurotic way of being that tells me that somehow, some way I'm better than everybody else. Is there a need to change it? No, we just acknowledge it. And then what happens next is almost like there's that same part of us that that looks and observes and points the fingers, that same part of what finds its centeredness. It just finds its, its, it just settles down. It just slows down. Everything just finds its way back to center. And then what happens? What happens is that you realize that there was never a problem with your parents not loving you as much as you thought they were supposed to love you. There was never a problem with, you know, and some people may say, oh no, that's really messed up. But there was never really a problem with the, the funny sexual business that happened after school practice. There was never a problem with any of these things. These are just things that are what they are. And yes, you go through your grieving process. You go through your, through your pain. You go through your tears. You go through your rage because there is a part of us that is very angry at the fact that the world doesn't change. No matter how much we want it to change, it won't change. You go through your anger, your grief, your sadness, and then at the end, 
you're left with this moment right here, this very moment, exactly where we are right now. And then you realize that right here, right now, you have no problems. Then right here, right now, there is no bad signal telling you that you have some problem to solve. And right here, right now, there is no greater purpose to work towards. Everything is right here. Now, the question is, is your Batman okay with that? You know, is, is your Batman okay with not seeing a bat signal anymore for the rest of its, of its life? And if the answer is no, then go ahead and let the Joker out yourself, you know, and enjoy the chase. You know? But at least this time, at least this time, you're not bullshitting yourself, you know? And that's something, that's just part of being human. You know, I like, I like to dive in my own pain body and my own, my own suffering as, as well, just like everybody else. Some people deny it, but the truth is right after we're done with this call, each and every one of us can hop back. As a matter of fact, prior before the listeners even started listening to this, it was probably already happening. But as soon as you're done with this, it's only a matter of time, maybe seconds before you turn on your radio and listen to that really painful song that makes you feel stuff. It could be purple rain. It could be some some other thing that you just really go into it and, oh, you should have left, should have never left me. And you cry, you get into the song and, you know, I don't want to see you again. You know, whatever it is, there's your pain. There's your joker. There's your shadow expressing itself in the form of music. And yes, we enjoy it, you know? Wow. That's a lot of layers in there. I feel like every time I talk to you, I'm like, we're just going to, I'm going to be needing to unpack this for the next amount of- I know, I'm like, I need to pause and think about this. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it's like a, it's just a, like a little, little box of just- chocolates where it's like, wow, you're giving me one message, but in three years, I'm just going to get another highlight of the other thing that you actually meant when you said this. But what I'm really, what I'm really getting is that it's what I'm receiving now in this present moment is that it's a, it's a choice. Yes, you can just keep being Batman with a Batman single and, you know, signal and keep creating problems and keep chasing them and keep fighting for purpose and justice, but just being aware that you're not, you know, the victim or it's not being done to you. Like this is a a state of being that you're perpetuating upon yourself by stuffing your shadow in the cage, letting it out. Oh my God, it made drama. I made a mess again. Let me go, let me go clean that up. And then like over and over and over again, which is one way to live and it's fine. It's a choice. Or there's, you know, the alternative way of just being the Eckhart Tolle, you know, being the now, just being the present, nothing's wrong, everything's fine. And that's a more Zen path of doing it as well. And, you know, honestly, I can't even say, I wish I could say like, oh yes, I'm going to, starting now, I'm going to reform it. I'm going to go the Eckhart Tolle path of just being in the now. But I know that right now I'm in the Batmobile and I'm like, that's right. that game. I'm still there. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be there in five years or 10 years, or it doesn't mean that I'm bound to this, but I know that I'm making the choice to be like, yep, there's my victim shadow. There is my anger. There is my liar. There is my like manipulate, manipulator or whatever. And there's actually a lot of empowerment and peace that comes from, and I guess maybe this is what I meant or answering my own question around integration of like, hi, shadow, 
I see you, we're playing a game. I see what's going on. And I know that I'm chasing you around and I'm putting on my little mask and like running in my Batmobile, like ha ha ha, chasing you and just being aware that that's a game you're playing with your life. And again, nothing wrong with that. Nothing like, you know, there's nothing to say like, oh man, you're, but, but there are ways I do believe that, you know, the, the part, the path of misery and really a lot of suffering and angst is playing this game and being in total denial that you're doing it. And that's That's just fucking painful, but playing this game and being aware that, Hey, I'm doing this. I take responsibility. This is a choice. Here's what's going on and calling yourself out on it, even deriving pleasure from that pain sometimes um, is what makes it fun until you get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm ready to like Ecker totally my way out of this game. (laughs) But until then, at least make it fun. Yeah, I heard this. I heard this really powerful quote actually this week, and it was like, pain is pleasure without consent or choice. I was like, yes. Holy shit. And ever since then, every time I've been triggered by something, I've just been like, I'm allowing myself to like this. I'm I'm choosing to let this happen. And once you take control and actually like give permission to this thing happening, then it's not so horrible because mm. it, it's the fact that you didn't consent to it and life is happening to you. That is so awful and causes the suffering. Yeah. Me and Tessa were joking today. We're at a coffee shop today and we were talking about because we knew you know we were going to talk to you. And we were talking about shadow work and we just read this book called Existential Kink, which we highly recommend because it's all about how we basically get off on our own shadows. And and God's like one sick kinky motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. He made this world full of like rape and war and all this horrible stuff and that we're parts of God. And basically we have this dark shit inside of us. Yeah. So we were talking about that. We're like, what, what, what? shadowy situations have you gotten into yourself yourself into lately and i remember being like yeah so i got manipulated by this narcissist once again playing out my mommy issues and just like and then i played the victim and i was like oh man i'm the victim look at me the righteous one i'm a martyr like look at me i was wronged i am so innocent oh my god i'm so in distress because once again the big bad wolf came after me and now i'm a poor little right righteous victim and we're just like yeah. giggling about because you know that that's it you know my shadow created a scenario in my life where somebody came in took advantage of me quote unquote i allowed it and i was right and they were wrong and oh my goodness i'm a victim and that's a shitty situation but you know the moment where i was bullshitting myself of like oh man this is happening to me and poor me and like why is this happening to me again it sucked but then the moment that I'm like, hey, I like this. I brought my shadow brought this on, baby. It's the freaking Joker leaving the cage. Yeah. It just lost its control over me. It lost the charge that I I mean, it's still an annoying situation. I still got to clean up, get my mop out, clean up the mess, rectify a few things, make them make them better. But it's a situation I brought upon myself. And the moment I'm like, yeah, I did that, baby. And I kind of liked it. And <laughs> it just stops controlling me. It's really cool. So liberating. Mm-hmm. I say the key word is awareness. Yeah. Awareness is the key. There's nothing wrong with being the victim. There's nothing wrong with being the villain. Nothing wrong with being the Batman. There's nothing wrong with any of this. And there's nothing wrong with pointing a finger and saying, yeah, 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 that's wrong. You know, everything just is what it is. The universe is in constant, perfect balance all the time. Now, here's the kicker. Being out of balance is part of being in balance because balance is a wobble. 
you know, so it's important for us to occasionally have that, that fall, you know, have that wobble to the left, wobble to the right, and then come back to a center, wobble to the left, wobble to the right. We need it. You know, this is just how things are. Now, can we make things different for ourselves? Absolutely. We can do shadow work. We can explore it. And then it's only a matter of time before we find some of that Eckhart Tolle piece. We find some of that, wow, this is fantastic. And yes, it's only a matter of time before you're sitting in that Eckhart Tolle chair, pointing out the finger about what's wrong with everybody else in their pain body. And you're right back to square one at that point. You know, so there's no escape in it. You're either, you know, we're either fighting with the shadow, playing with it from, from a point of awareness or we're, we're just unaware of how much suffering we're creating for ourselves and claiming that we don't, you know, that we don't have power over it or we're not in control or whatever it is, you know, but it is what it is. Everything just is what it is. And that's why, my friends, this is the chillest man on earth. I was, I was literally <laughs> just going to say that. Said the chillest guy ever. Unflappable. Okay. Amazing. So, I mean, this is action-packed. I feel like anyone who's listening to this could literally, li- I mean, I know I, I would listen to it over and over again and just get d- different information out of it. But for those of you know people who are listening, they're like, whoa, and their heads might be spinning. Do you have any final advice on how to deal with the shadow and how to live a more balanced or not balanced. I feel like now everything I'm saying is like- How to live a wobbly balanced life. (laughs) How to, you know, if they're to take away, one key takeaway from listening to this whole thing of how can they, they can walk away and live in more truth, alignment and peace with themselves, improve their lives. What would you say they need to know? All they need to know is that it's okay. That's it. It's okay. You know, whatever secret, whatever thing is inside of you, whatever thing you think makes you uh, less human than anybody else, it's okay. You know? And awareness, you don't even have to make peace with it. Just awareness, you know? And your psyche, your spirit, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, will find its way back to that point of peace, you know, will it stay there forever? Absolutely not. You know, at some point it's got to come out and chase the Joker again, but you will find your way experiencing more of that more often. So that's the only thing I have to say. It's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So the awareness, I love what you said. It's around everything is okay, just as it is. And as long as you keep bringing back your awareness to that point of peace, you will stray, but you can always come back and fulfillment or, or, you know, improving your life really just looks like just being okay and having that awareness and allowing yourself to keep coming back. And that can actually happen more often, more frequently, but understanding that you will stray. And that's yeah. okay. And that's okay. And it's okay to be stray right now. You know, you don't even have to bring your awareness to peace. You just have to be aware of where you are. You know, just mm. be aware of where you are. It's like, okay, where the hell am I? All right. Okay. Where's the Joker? There he is. All right. Now what do I do? The hell do I know? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then somehow, some way, everything just, you know, like, haven't you noticed that in in every Batman movie or episode, 
it's the Batman never actually catches the villain. You know, the villain always hurts himself, you know, always trips over something or somehow ends up in a, in a basket of whatever and falls off a building by himself. It's always the villain that hurts himself. So in a, in a, in a weird way, life has its way of doing the same thing. We like to believe that we are doing stuff, you know, and, and things are just there, you know, like our problems have a tendency to solve themselves. Everything has a way of solving itself. Our suffering solves itself. We all just, we're all just living in this thing where everything just moves along all by itself. Mm. Wow. That's, okay too. that's humbling. <laughs> Hashtag being human. Yes. Wow. It's good to be human. That was- that was action packed. Well, thank you so much, Ralph. That was that was really, really, really insightful. And I, I mean, I knew when I was thinking about, you know, we need to talk about shadow work on the show. I knew that you you were the man to go to, and you did deliver. So, question: How can people who want to learn more about you and are curious in, in your work, how can they find you? You can visit my website at www.ralphfitness.com, and that's Ralph. R-A-L-P-H-I-T-N-E-S-S dot com. No F in there. Just roughfitness.com. The rough it is more accurate, but that's where you can find me. Beautiful. And he also, I don't know, are you still on the gram? Because I see your, every time I see your stories, they crack me up. Yeah, if you want the funniest stories ever, whenever he feels like The most (laughs) underrated Instagram account ever. Like, the best stories. (laughs) I just... I, I get so excited when you have stories. I'm like, all right, I'm going in, baby. You know, that's a, that's a good the uh, social media stuff for those of you that, that are listening and have social media. Social media is a good way to start cracking your, your, your shadow, you know, because when you're scrolling through that, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you see that you go, oh, wow, cool. And you want to like, you want to comment, but then you go, and hey, I don't want people to think, you know, at that moment, it's a good time to go. Yeah, I wonder what would they think? And then go ahead and comment, like, share, whatever it is. And it brings you a little closer to wholeness, you know, because a big part of what keeps you stuck in that that loop is that you think people don't know, you know? So you tell yourself that other people don't know. And yet we all know. <laughs> we just pretend that we don't know. <laughs> Oh my God. That's amazing. Yes. Social media is another rabbit hole in and of itself. I love it. All right. Well, thank thank you you so much, Ralph. That was was really, really powerful. And we're, we're really glad that you stuck around with our tech issues before we were finally able to record this episode. So for those of you who are listening, thank you so much. I I mean, our minds are blown. So hopefully your minds are pretty blown as well. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you take a screenshot and share and tag Ralph, tag Tessa at Tessa Mac, tag me at Celine DaCosta and let us know why you loved it. So thank you so much for tuning in in another amazing episode of Truth Pudding, seriously bringing in the realness today. On a silver platter. (laughs) On a silver platter. And see you next time. See you next time. We out.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Truth Pudding. If you enjoyed today's serving of radical honesty and deep dive conversation, please support the show by giving us a five-star review wherever you happen to download your favorite podcasts. We'll see you along with the rest of our tribe of conscious entrepreneurs and ambitious weirdos in the next episode. Mwah. <laughs>